thought that there was going to be a lot of opportunities for teams to push the limits on that stuff when it comes to putting those parts on and, and how they could do it and what they can do with it, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that's confined, right, that, they, that you don't see. And... I think Fenway found the gray area. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, all right, well, welcome, everybody, to Three Wide in the Middle with me, Thomas Brandon, and my man, Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? What's going on? How are uh, you, Tommy? I'm doing good. I am doing good. We were just talking about the the Keselowski fine, and we'll get more into that in just a bit because I want to start off today with something I didn't get a chance to talk about last week. Now, I had mentioned we were going to cover some F1 stuff, but we have the race this last week at F1, and I've got a lot more that I want to cover with it because it's one of the most interesting things I've ever seen. And to really understand this, um, and, and, and maybe, maybe I under, maybe it's so interesting to me because of what it is that I do and what I've done for the last, you know, almost 10 years of my life. But, you know, one thing that you'll look at, or you notice, for example, right, whenever we see, right, like a blockbuster movie, okay, you look at all the Marvel movies, right, whether it's the Avengers or Iron Man, Captain America, Black Panther, right, take your pick, all the new ones that have come out, Spider-Man. Or you look at something like, you know, Avatar, right? Or even stuff if you go further back in time, whether it's, I don't know, the Terminator or the Abyss or take your pick, right? All of these big successful movies, one thing that you'll notice is, is they follow a, a specific structure when it comes to the story. The reason why they do is because it works. We as people love this. We absolutely love it. Right. Whether it is something as simple as, you know, a one liner being dropped that we as kids, you know, when we're kids grow up wanting to say, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time is the movie Tombstone. Many of you have probably never even seen that movie, but you've all heard the line. I'm your Huckleberry. Right. Like, I mean, Keith, you've heard that line. Right. I mean, how many times have oh, you said that? It? Yeah, it's, it's one of the most gangster lines. And when I say gangster, I don't mean like mafia or criminals or something like that. I just mean like gangster as in just badass lines that anybody could have ever said. Right. As a kid, when you're growing up, you dream of being able to say something like that and not only being able to say it, but actually mean it. There was a line in one of my favorite television shows of all time, the show called Justified. And it's got this character named Raylan Givens. And Raylan Givens is legitimately the modern version of Doc Holliday. And in season two, it's one of the first episodes this guy had gone after him or had these people go after him. The guy's name is Wynn Duffy. He's a criminal. And Raylan Givens has him pulled over in his motorhome, walks into uh, Duffy's motorhome, and just punches him right in the face, knocks him on the ground, puts his boot on his neck, and then cocks his gun, grabs the bullet, throws it on his chest, and says, next one's coming faster. Right? Like, once again, gangster. When you can say that and back it up as this character could, that is just... It's a level of badass that we rarely see or get to experience in real life, right? Although we all dream of it, right? That's why we go to movies and watch stuff like that. It's because we would all love to, especially guys, to be in a situation where we were a legitimate badass. And when we talked before about the Formula One show, Drive to Survive, the way that season four ended was that. Okay, Toto Wolf, who is the, the principal of Mercedes, who legitimately, if you close your eyes, he sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> he really does. He sounds like the freaking Terminator, right? 
But after that, all of that drama and just the the historical result that happened in that last race, right, where where the caution comes out, we got this one lap shootout, and then all of a sudden it's controversy, right? And for those of you who did not watch the race or don't under quite understand what happened, is caution comes out, and we had Lewis Hamilton in first. All the other cars went and got tires that were on the lead lap. Max Verstappen comes out in second, but here's the problem. there In between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, there was five cars that were a lap down. Now understand, there was also other cars that were a lap down behind Verstappen, but there was five cars in between Hamilton and Verstappen. The FIA director, right, Michael Massey at the time, who was no longer the director, but at the time, he made the call to let those five cars unlap themselves. Now, this is something that is in the rules. This was not a rule violation. This happened quite often, where if the, the safety car comes out, those cars that were lapped down were waved around. But typically, what would happen is they would do it with all of the cars that were lapped. They did not do that this time. They only did it with the five in between Hamilton and Verstappen. Now, was this against the rules? No, it was gray area. And this is what caused so much problem. Okay. Most people want to see things in terms of black and white. When there's gray area, that leaves it open for interpretation. And anytime there's interpretation, it can be looked at in terms of manipulation, which is how it was viewed. I have zero problem with Mercedes being like, dude, you screwed us. I also have zero problem with Red Bull being like, hey man, we raced, we beat you, it's over. Okay, I see both sides of it and I understand both sides of it. But when you look at it, had they let, and the biggest problem is, is had they let all the cars unlap themselves, you know, the argument is, one, you would have had, uh, you probably wouldn't have had enough time to get that last lap in. That is possible. I will say this, being a race car driver myself and being in racing all my life, Keith, and I'm sure you would agree and attest to this, the last thing that you want to see is a race decided on caution, let alone the race and the world championship, right? Like, I mean, decide it any other way. I would, I just, I, but under caution, I mean, I'm sure Lewis Hamilton would like that because he's going to win it. But I mean, as a real competitor, you don't want to see that. Let's, let's race it out, okay? Now, the other side of this is, had they let all the cars unlap themselves, right? The cars that were behind Verstappen would have been those on a lead lap, would have also been for position, and they could have challenged Verstappen. And now you're not only the attacker, but you're also being attacked. That can change the dynamic, would have, I don't know, right? We can only speculate on this stuff. At the end of the day, Verstappen won. Hamilton, Wolf, and Mercedes feel like they were robbed. Okay, which brings us to this season coming into this season. All right. Mercedes is on a mission. When you watch that drive to survive, it ends with total wolf. And like I said, one of those lines that you could only dream of being able to not only say, but back up. And they asked total wolf next season. Does Red Bull have a target on their back? And total wolf just says, everybody's got a target on their back. Meaning we're going to legitimately kick everyone's ass. Not just Red Bull, everyone's. Okay? And all of a sudden, because of one incident, keep in mind, there's always been a lot of Mercedes fans, right? I'm, I am an F1. I don't really have a team. I just, I love to watch the racing now. And I like certain drivers over other drivers. But to me, I don't 
particularly care if it's Mercedes or Red Bull or McLaren or AlphaTauri or Alpine or, or Ferrari or whoever. I just want to see good racing. Yes, I love the fact when we ha when we do have those top teams competing with each other, but I like it because it's good racing, not because it's Ferrari and Mercedes. It's just because they, you can slap whatever name you want to on them, right? Now, with that one little incident, Mercedes has gone from Goliath to David. It is it is incredible how people now look at them as if they have been literally abused for the last decade, which is incredible. I think it's absolutely incredible. And this is what the power of story does. This is what I was talking about, right? Power of story and narrative. The story and the narrative now is that Mercedes is the underdog. They finished fourth and fifth this week. And it was, or, or excuse me, third and fourth this week. And it was a very hard fought third and fourth place finish. Okay. You would have thought that they finished outside the points the way people have been talking. Yes, their car is not working as well as it should be. But folks, let's not pretend that they are now the new Williams of F1. Like they can't score points. It's ridiculous. They will be fine. They have a seven-time world champion, right? Who has shown that even when his car is not a a top-notch car capable of winning, that the man can do things in it that can take it above and beyond. And that's what he showed this last week. All right. And that's what you saw this last week, right? All of a sudden, Mercedes has now become David and Red Bull is the Goliath that everyone's knocking, wanting to knock off. It was, it's, it's been really, really interesting how a television series has been able to swing the opinion of the F1 world. Now this is, keep in mind, this is largely going to be in America um, because, you know, outside of the United States, it, people have already been following this. They already knew all this stuff and they might watch the show, but they're not influenced by it. Right. Like they, they have been following this stuff for years. Right? We've already heard that, you know, Miami is sold out, um, the upcoming Grand Prix in Miami because of, you know, the, the tickets are going for higher prices than what the Super Bowl went for in Los Angeles. Right. And it's a big fact is due to this show, but it was just really interesting to see how the public perception of these teams has literally changed in a season. And we saw it with Mercedes and Red Bull. We also saw it with the team that won the race, which was Ferrari. It was not that long ago. You, the Ferrari was the New York Yankees of F1, right? Like, I mean, they're the Keith, you like what, what sports your sport, right? Besides racing, you had baseball, football, basketball, what is uh, it? football, football, right? So what, what's your football team? Uh, unfortunately the Bengals, the Bengals. Okay. So here's the deal. The Bengals hardly ever play the Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are that team that you either are a fan of them or you hate them. Am I right, Keith? It's a hundred percent, hundred percent. You either are a fan of them and I am a fan of them and it has been rough, right? But you're either a fan of them or you hate them. It's like the New York Yankees. You're either a Yankees fan or you hate the Yankees. Period. End of story. Ferrari was that in F1. You were either a Ferrari fan or you hated them because they were Ferrari. They always won, right? They always won. They were the, the red car, right? They were cocky. They were conceited, right? Everyone talks about that, that line by Enzo Ferrari where he said, ask a child to, to draw a race car and he will color it red, right? People will, if you're a Ferrari fan, you're like, yep, that is 100% true. 
we're the best. And if you hate Ferrari, you're going to be like, you and your fucking ego, go stick it up your, you know, what, like that, that's just how they're viewed. But because they've had a rough patch for a couple of seasons, they are now like this underdog that everybody is rooting for. They finished one, two, and they looked good. They were fast. They were strong. Charles Leclerc was on his game. He is without a doubt one the the young talent in F1 right now is insane. I mean, it's like when we talk about the young talent coming up through USAC and stuff. It's insane. You have these young, talented drivers everywhere. And Charles Leclerc is one of them. His teammate Carlos Sainz is another. Like those those two are studs. And you're talking about guys that are like their mid-20s, right? And they're studs. And Ferrari dominated this weekend. And now people are talking about them as if they have been this underdog for the last two or three years. And the reason I'm telling you this, all right, because like I said, I wanted to talk about this before last week and we got we got sidetracked to everything else. But the reason I'm telling you this is because you are seeing right now, you are seeing a boom in terms of F1 here stateside that is unlike anything else we've ever seen. And it's it's the truth. It really is the truth, you guys. It's, it's without a shadow of doubt. No, it's not going to be like the NFL. No, it's not going to, you know, overtake the NBA, right? Or even baseball for that matter. But in terms of what you are seeing now with the growth of it and its popularity here stateside, it is incredible, right? It, it's absolutely incredible. And that series, which we've talked about before, is such a huge factor of it that I cannot praise it enough because it has done something that I never thought would be possible. I really didn't. I never thought it would be possible. And you're seeing it now. You're seeing the results of it. And it's just so cool to watch because it's bringing, it's shedding light on a sport that I think has always needed more attention here in the States. And it's finally getting it. And this last weekend, I mean, the race obviously was over in Bahrain, but it was an incredible race. And you're hearing people talk about it. And it's great that people saw it. The racing itself was awesome. It was good racing. The new car has done what they wanted it to do. Uh, Verstappen and Charles Leclerc had a battle for like three laps and keep in mind three laps around a three mile circuit that is a long time like that's a that's a lot of, that's that you know that's a that's that's a lot of racing and they literally sat there and swapped the lead back and forth right i mean they were just passing each other undercutting it was incredible it was absolutely incredible and you never you used to not see that before right you got to run you pass somebody and then if you didn't pass them right back if you didn't overtake them right back they were usually gone and that's not the case no more. And it's been really cool to watch. I'm looking forward to this next race. And just like we've talked about with NASCAR, this new car in F1 has delivered so far. And it's been really, really fun to watch and see. And I'm yeah, I just I can't wait, man. If you have not been watching it, you are missing out. I can tell you that right now. Keith, did you happen to see any of it? I know you don't have a chance to really watch much of it, but... Uh, no, no, unfortunately I didn't. I tell you what, man. Do yourself a favor, and not just you, Keith, but all you guys. Just go to YouTube and type in F1 2022 race highlights, right? It's I mean, because there, there's only one race right now. And just watch the highlights of the race. I mean, it, it's it, it's incredible right now. It really is. The, the racing was really 
really good. It was fun to see. And yeah, I, I, like I said, I can't wait for the next, the next race. I'm already looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. But speaking of new cars providing awesome racing, let's switch gears here and head over to the NASCAR side of things because we had the race in Atlanta. Um, we talked about this last week as to what we could expect with them running, you know, the, the track running the, the low horsepower, high downforce, um, package. Now, what did you, what did you think of it? Keith? did you have a chance to watch the whole race? Yeah. I mean, I, th I thought it was good to a point. I think it could have been better though. And, and what I mean by that is you really couldn't make up track position because the track was so narrow. Yes. So, so if you're running in 20th, you're stuck back there for a while till, till wrecks happened. And then you had to gain track position on pit road. And overall though, I think, I think it, I think it was a good race. I wouldn't enjoy watching it every week though. No, me neither. And I, I really liked what Ross Chastain said after the race in the interview where he was like, look, I got to admit, I had fun. I liked it. I thought it was unique. He goes, that being said, that doesn't mean we need to start doing this to all the other tracks, right? Like we don't need to do this to Kentucky. We don't need, you know what I mean? Like we don't need to do this all to, to every, everything else. And that was true. Um, I agree. The racing was different, right? If you are going into this thinking you're going to see, you know, a version of the old Atlanta, right? With just new pavement on it. You're going to be sadly mistaken. This yeah. is now a, a mile and a half version of Daytona and Talladega. That's what it is. Right. Um, and that, and that's what it was. And look, the racing overall, all things considered wasn't bad. There was some passes. There was some moves. Um, you're absolutely correct on the fact that the, the groove was too narrow, which does happen. And this is something that um, most people don't think about, and I, I mean, I know you know this, but with every new, whenever they repave something, it's just, it's like that, right? It takes a few, unfortunately, a few hundred miles, you know, a few events to 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 get the to get the track worked in. Um, I do think we'll start to see more more passing, more stuff like that with this package if they keep using this package at this track in the future um but yeah i'm with you i would have liked to have seen the racing widened out i don't know if there's anything they could have done to improve that you know one of the things that nascar did um this time around as they ran a super you know in goodyear obviously they ran a super hard tire um you know they didn't want to take any chances with uh tire problems right new track you know everything it's reconfigured and we still had and them we still had them <laughs> and we still had them yeah exactly you know but having those harder tires i mean that that's one of those things where we're trying to get the heat into them to where they're going to stick and 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 be able to make moves and stuff like that and so the tire problems have continued it's unfortunate i mean eventually goodyear will get it figured out um but i, I wonder how much of it's on a team and not so much Goodyear because yeah, you and that's, run that's absolutely campers in the rear. Mm -hmm. And and if you notice, it was just happening to a, a certain a number of teams and yep. it was happening to the right rear tires. So they could yes. have been running some different cambers and putting more weight onto it. Mm -hmm. And it, what was scary to me about it was it, it was happening to the leaders out front. Yes. 
and it could have been much worse than what it was. Yes. You know, and that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize with these cars now and with and with NASCAR in general. NASCAR has been like this pretty much since the early 2000s, right? It started making this transition where you know, I always use the example of, you know, the days of, you know, suitcase Jake, you know, walking in and sitting down on a spring with his with his ass and being like that one feels good, stick that in the right front. Like those days are gone, right? You've got, you know, teams of engineers and, you know, specialists and all this stuff like this. And these guys are using very complex, you know, algorithms and programs and software and data to literally calculate these cambers and casters and spring rates and all this stuff to the you know we're talking about fractions of a degree right where i mean it's it's that fine of a line the problem is though is when you are pushing it to the limit and you're that close you only have to be that far off to pay the price and like you said you know you're you're seeing it and it's on the right rear and i mean you can just be you know people think oh you three degrees versus three and a half no it could be like 3.1 to 3.2 right yeah. you're talking about a, a, a very a small tenth, a very small very amount minor. yeah especially on a tire like we've got now where you're talking about this low profile tire it's completely different than what they've ran in the past so it's going to be a learning curve and so you're you're right keith i think a lot of it could be also on the the cruise you know not just goodyear so you know i i know obviously they work together and they're going to be feeding you know the data and information back and forth and so it'll be interesting to see if that improves as the season goes on yeah because i mean if you if you look at it i can't remember the teams that had the issues but one of them is stenhouse and Mm -hmm. and like he said they they got four fresh tires and they're just coming off a pit stop so it ain't like they had 60 laps on this set of tires they had 15 maybe and i i'm I'm almost curious to know if they were running different cambers in the right rear because a tire just doesn't blow to blow. I mean, sometimes, yes, you could run something over. Yes. And it'll puncture the tire and then eventually it'll blow out or just run flat. Yes. But these were just, they were blowing apart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was the one where it literally just came off the rim. I mean, Bubba Wallace ran over it. I mean, it just just came off the freaking wheel. And so, yeah, you know, stuff like that, that does make you wonder if that is a camber issue. Um, where where teams are being aggressive because yeah you can you can put those right rears um i want to say that they can go on the right rear you can go as much on the right rear as you can on the right front and i think it's like six or seven degrees that you can camber those out like it's a lot you know and i think on the left sides it's almost the same i think it's like six or seven i mean i know it's a lot so when you're talking about you know taking a, a tire that's got a contact patch right where you look at it where you've got this big wide tire and now you're cocking it on its side and now it's only riding on the track using 25 percent of it when it's going down the straightaways and when you're going into the corner you are hoping that everything in the setup is going to cause that to roll over and create that full contact patch that's that is a a a uh, that is a level of engineering that is very complex, you know. Like if you're like we said, if you're off, you're gonna pay for it. So yeah, and unfortunately yeah. they paid for it. Exactly, if they, if that's what the issue was. Mm-hmm. Which, which I could see that being the issue. Yeah, 
I, I could see it being maybe a little bit on Goodyear, but more so on the teams because now they're pushing yes everything to the edge. They're mm-hmm. they're they're also trying to figure out this new car too. So yeah, exactly, you've got to figure out those boundaries and what you can get away with and and what you can't. And you know, uh, some of these teams that are literally, you know, you look at some of the the lower the lower teams, right? Um, they're they're their chance to get in the playoff is they've got to hit everything perfectly on that perfect day and get that win, right? And like we've talked about with this car this season, we're seeing a lot more of these guys that are not on those top teams be able to pull off some of these results. And it's incredible. Like once again, Ross Chastain got second place. Like that's, that was awesome, man. It was awesome to see. And it was a good day overall for track Exactly. They had both cars in the top five, I think. Mm-hmm. But but even look at Spire. Look yeah. look at Corey LaJoy. There was one point in that race where he was sliding through the grass, had all four tires off the ground. You could see the wall underneath his car, which was wild, and then turned around and finished fifth. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but that ain't going to happen to that team at Las Vegas. No. No, they uh-uh. they bank on the super speedways, yep. which is unfortunate for them. But on the other hand, they're they're a low budget team. What do you expect? Exactly, exactly. You've got to take your shots when you've got them. So, so yeah, it was uh, it I I like the racing. I don't want to see it happen everywhere else. I completely agree with that. We do not need to do more of this. Let Atlanta be its its own thing. That's cool. And let's keep it that way, and let's move on. We don't need yeah. to have 20 more Atlantas. That's what no, got NASCAR no. into this situation in the first damn place, was them thinking, like, all of a sudden we need to have a bunch of freaking mile and a half with a dog leg or a tri-oval. So, well, and, and I, I would, like, if you're Kevin Harvick, you don't want to go do that every weekend. Or if you're an older driver, you, you don't want to do that every weekend. It gets, I don't want to say it gets stale, but it gets pretty boring. I mean, as a fan aspect, mm-hmm. it's it was awesome to watch because they had what forty something lead changes. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, there's like forty five other... lead changes among among twenty drivers. It wasn't like it was two people yeah. just swapping back and forth. Yeah, but on the other hand, I was a big fan of the old Atlanta because yes. you had tire wear come into effect. You you had a bunch of factors whether you're running the bottom, running the middle, or the top, and now it's just single file freight trains. I mean, that's yeah. just boring to me. Yes. Yes. I, I'm with you on that. So it'll be, you know, we're going to have to give it a couple of, a couple of races to see what it ends up with. You know, the last Atlanta, I mean, that thing had been ran for my God, Years. what, like two decades. I mean, like it had yeah. been ran a really long time. Like they were supposed to repave it three or four years ago. Yeah. Told them no. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we'll have to give it a few a few races to see how it plays out, but but yeah, I'm with you. And, and even with the new repave, there were still drivers that were pissed off that they were even repaving it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Kyle Busch. I mean, he was. They were just like, "What do you think?" Oh, there, like, no, there I don't was, like it. I hate there was it. Kyle Busch. There, there mm-hmm. was Harvick. And and speaking of Kyle, I mean, he had a bad run this past weekend too. And mm-hmm. I always love watching his interviews because I, I think they're funny as hell. Yes. And and. And the reporters kind of got a point. I mean, these guys are turning into entertainers to a point. Yes, they are. They and absolutely it sucks are. that it's going that way, but everything's going that way. I mean, football players anymore are performers. Well, and that's the thing that a lot of people 
don't think about. You know, one of the first things, probably the most valuable lesson that I learned in marketing and sales was a crappy product with good marketing will always beat a good product with crappy marketing. Meaning you've got to, you know, and part of marketing is entertainment, is to be entertaining, right? Look, you know, we talk about the NFL. The NFL on Thursday night football, after the first couple of weeks, like once you get after like past like week four or five, Thursday night football games suck. They're horrible, right? Like every once yeah. in a while you might catch lightning in a bottle, but for the most part, they're horrible, right? Most of the teams, the, the players aren't even recovered from the previous week. The game, you know, there's turnovers. It's just a crappy product, but guess it's what? It's not as good as Monday night. No, absolutely not. You know what I mean? But because it's Thursday night football and because it's the NFL and it's entertaining and we love it, right? You can put out a crappy product and people will come for it. And that's the thing with NASCAR is that when you look at NASCAR, when it was coming to its height, its peak, it was entertaining. Yes, there was good racing, but there was also a lot of times where it was bad racing. And what I mean by that is, is you would have someone like Jeff Gordon who would lap half the field and had never been challenged. Right. And it's just like, well, this isn't cool. Like my uh, guy's not going to do anything, but and, it was still entertaining. And and look at the Coke 600 a few years ago, mm -hmm. Martin Truex Jr. Led every lap of the race, but maybe 60. Yeah. That that's boring to me. That's yes. not exciting. That's not good racing. No, I, I, but then again, I'm a short track guy. Yes. You get better better racing on a short track than you do on these cookie cutter mile and a half racetracks. Mm -hmm. I mean, then the same can be said about the road courses. They put on good races. Like Watkins Glen, hands down, puts on the best NASCAR races of the whole year. Like yes. if, it, if, it, yeah, if it was that... up to me and I did the scheduling, we're going to Watkins Glen five times a year. <laughs> That's the five road courses <laughs> in Watkins yeah. Glen. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to run it once every a couple weeks yeah <laughs> but yeah i like the glenn but i mean that going back on that i mean it's just it's boring nobody yes. wants to watch the same guy show up and just flat dominate i mean uh -huh. i think he had half the field lapped yeah before the sun even went down and it's just like all right we, we know he's gonna win so mm -hmm. let's just turn it off now yep and that's the thing if you have something that is still entertaining, right? Like you were talking about, right? If you, you will have people where, yeah, the, the leader might be gone, but man, oof, I wonder what Kyle Bush will do, right? Like if you have, if there's still that factor to it, right? Maybe the leader is gone. Your guy might not win, but if there's a battle or these guys are doing this, or you got people, you know, Kyle Bush, John at somebody or, or whatever, right? If there's still that entertainment factor to it, then you can, you can, get through it. It'll, it'll be okay. Right. People will still tune in. And that's the thing that I believe NASCAR is just now finally starting to come back around on. You know, we saw such a push away from that with the drivers. You know, you look at the drivers when we were younger, when we were watching it. Right. And you look at them in terms of their personalities and their character, 
right? Like they were all unique in so many different ways. I mean, obviously everyone can point at Dale Earnhardt, the Intimidator, right? Like, I mean, that's an easy one. But even when you look at people like a Jimmy Spencer or a Mark Martin or a Ricky Rudd, right? Like drivers like that who have these unique personalities and these different backgrounds. And when these younger drivers started coming up, it became more of a younger kind of uh, corporate cookie cutter, squeaky clean, you know, type of image that they were trying to portray. And I think it really hurt them. I, I really do. I think, you know, having drivers who show their, you know, emotion and show who they really are is far better. You know, like last year, you look at what, you know, what had happened between Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick. Like, I love Tiny. that. It's Yeah, I love that because that's how racing is. It is. That's how it is, right? You've got those guys in the pits. You're like, dude, that mother. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that's how it is, right? And you go out and, and you race them hard be. and race. Yes, exactly, right? You can absolutely be homeboys off the track and still be competitors on the track, right? And, and be vocal about it. And look, look like back of the old days. And I say old days. I yeah. mean a few years ago. Yeah. Look how many fights Kevin Harvick's been in. Yes. Through his career. I mean, you can go on YouTube and it's like an hour long. Yeah, yeah, there's like the greatest boat. hits of it. Yeah. <laughs> and that stuff to me is exciting. Because, mm -hmm. yes. I mean, now it's more so uh, wear your emotions on your sleeve when you get out of the car, put a straight face on. Yes. Yep. Just walk away. There, there's no arguing. There's no fighting. And I think that's why I like dirt racing. I'm not saying I love fighting and racing, but no. let's face it. If, if you hook somebody and you wreck them, they deserve to get their ass whipped. That, yes. That's just me. Yes. They deserve to get whatever comes back to them, and it's going to be a part of racing. It, it's part of racing. And what was it a couple of years ago? NASCAR said, "Let let's let them have at it. Put it put it back in the hands of the drivers." And now it's like slowly take them back out of their hands. Yes. Yes. Well, and that's the thing when you have those drivers that are emotional and they do show it and they are authentic. You allow the drivers to make a connection with fans that's the fans are now invested in those drivers it's like what we just talked about a little bit ago with the formula one it's why you've seen such a big explosion here in the u.s because people who have never heard of these drivers before have watched you know three or four seasons of this show and they're now invested in these drivers right and then when you can do that it is life-changing to a sport and nascar really needs that and i think they've gotten better i do think they've gotten better right um but they just need to keep it going in that direction because you don't want to lose the momentum that you have been building and you know they have this year's off to a good start and things are are looking up like we we've talked about it every week it's been a long time since i've been this excited about nascar racing and hopefully they can keep it going in that direction I, I liked back when NASCAR promoted the bad boys. Like, remember, it was what Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick and Tony Stewart, all these guys. Yeah. Were big, I wouldn't say big egos as big attitudes. Yes. They wore the black hats. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what people showed up to watch. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, look what Kyle Busch did to Ron Hornaday Jr. in the truck series. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. that just boiled over to Kevin Harvick because he owned the truck. And then it just boiled over to the Cup Series, and then people started like, "All right, who's who's going to fight who here?" And then the deal at Darlington, and it to me that's exciting. Yes, me too. Me too. 
that but makes, now it, makes the, it that much the new, better. The new generation of race fan has changed the landscape of that. They want these mile and a half races like we had at Atlanta. I mean, I've seen people on Twitter begging for more races like that, and it's like, if you like that kind of racing, then I wouldn't even call it racing. No, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think we we need more of that. It's like with the big push of road courses. Yes. Well, and you know what? That is what, and I talked about this in one of the first ever podcasts I did on Three Wide in the Middle, where I talked about what happens when you abandon your core. Right when you abandon your core audience, and that's what NASCAR did. They lost their way in the you know going into the you know from the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, we saw that you know with the big all the 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 corporate money that it came in. NASCAR starts wanting to get the casual fan. We saw them really abandon their core. They started dropping the the North Wilkesboro's and the 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 Rockingham's and stuff like that, and things were now being you know west coast racing and we're doing this and we're doing this and everything's you know being you know just corporatized and it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and they right. they they went away they they left and, and it's it hurt and it's like the truck series and, and i'm sure you remember this when the truck series first started getting going the first few years they ran grassroots racetracks yeah Xfinity, Bush, whatever you want to call it back in the day, same thing. Oh, they were running Myrtle Beach and Nashville and, you know, I mean, stuff and, like that. And, and now here we are. They're running the same cookie cutter racetracks. Yeah. And then flip side, you look at the uh, Tony Stewart Asphalt Series. Mm-hmm. Look what they're doing. They're running yeah. all these short tracks, the grassroots racer tracks, and they're selling out. That's what I don't understand. Why can't NASCAR kind of be like, we need to take a page out of their book. They're proving that they can sell these venues out. Yeah, they may not have the seating capacity as a, a Texas or a Michigan, but they put on better races. Yes. Yeah, those are that that series is really cool. It is really unique. And, and I'm, I'm with you. They would they would probably probably behoove them to to take a note or two. And I'm not saying go run the cup cars there. No. Go run the trucks there. There, there's no reason for the trucks to be racing at Kansas or every other track that NASCAR goes to. Go run them on short tracks. No, yeah, you're right. You In have to maintain that half, connection. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to have the grassroots. Yeah, you got to maintain that connection. You know, I remember when I would go to short tracks in the area, um, you know, almost all of the scoreboards, especially if you went to like a short track that was asphalt like a quarter mile or a half half mile asphalt track they all had a scoreboard that said winston cup series on it and that was because nascar had gone out and they would buy these scoreboards for these tracks that would say winston cup to make that connection so people thought like hey man this is winston cup track right no winston cup didn't race there Right. But when you make when you have that connection to those lower levels, it does a lot. It, it it makes it makes the connection that much more. And I'm with you, man. I think the trucks and, and even the Xfinity series, I think it would be good for them to do more stuff like that. I think it's great that they're trying to get Nashville Fairgrounds on the schedule, right? I think it would be great to see them at a Myrtle Beach be or a or a Stafford or a New Smyrna, right? These these legendary, you know, short tracks that are you know, these that are, that are just like iconic, whether it's, you know, something in the tour mods or the super late models, or, you know, these other, these other NASCAR, 
sanctioned series. And so I think it would be cool to see the trucks and the Xfinity that run there, you know, like IRP, right? Like why are we not at IRP, right? Like what, what happened there? You know what I mean? Like, what's the deal? So I I think think they need to do that stuff. I think trucks are going back to IRP. I think they are this year. They are, which is good because look how long they abandoned that place. Yeah, exactly. Because they used to run Xfinity there. They ran the trucks there. And then for like a, I don't know, you can say a 10 year stretch mm-hmm. that they never went back there yep. and they put on good racing. Yep. Better than what the big oval does in Indy. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hell, I didn't see and, the cup cars at IRP. Oh, that, I think I'd be badass. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd rather watch that than the cup cars at Bristol on dirt. Yeah, I think so too. I'm not a big fan of the, of the cup cars uh, on dirt. Nope, I sh- you should leave it to the trucks at yeah, Eldora. I, yeah, I like the trucks on uh, the dirt. I think that's unique because it is a truck. I'm just not a big fan of the cup cars in the dirt. Like I, I like that they reached out of their comfort zone and went to Knoxville last year with the trucks, but it just didn't work out. I don't think it put on really good racing, not like Bristol or Eldora did. I no, think I think the I think those types of cars, the trucks, I think they need banking to really help them because they're not yeah. dirt cars. They're not no. dirt cars. Hey, and that's <laughs> that's the unfortunate part with yeah. the new cup car. It's yeah. I think it's going to be terrible on dirt. Yeah. They might yeah. be really good this weekend at Coda, though. They they might. <laughs> that is that is true. They might. I'm actually looking forward to, to this week at Coda. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that race plays out. Um, because, yeah, like we've talked about before, these cars are pretty much, you know. They're built a, for road courses. A, a road racing car that they're running on, you know super speedways and speedways so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen at at coda because if you if you put a trans am road course car next to a new next gen car they're very very similar they they look very similar yeah mm-hmm. but uh, i guess that's the casual fan wanting more road courses which is fine there's nothing wrong with it but i think every year the schedule should be completely different every year yeah i'm with you on that i'm with you on that so yeah it'll be it'll be uh it'll be cool interesting to see how they how they race this week who's who's your pick for coda in the cup cars i'm gonna go with aj elmendinger you got aj huh gotta go with the road course ranger it, it I take that back. Either either AJ Allmending or Ross Jastain, because Ross Jastain was fast there in the wet and in the dry. Yeah, Ross Chastain has been very impressive this year. Trackhouse been... has been impressive. Yes, like they it, have. It's awesome to see because you talk about the Formula One, the David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. Trackhouse yeah. is NASCAR's David. It, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And they're showing out every weekend. Yes, they, they, they are. Show lot of speed and it's it's awesome to see mm-hmm. it is it really is yeah i i i could definitely see that you know i think suarez too is someone who could be good um you know we talk about track house i mean suarez comes from you know he's got a, a road racing background if i'm remembering correctly because he's from monterey mexico i believe yeah. i think he's got a, a more of a road racing background if i'm remembering correctly i just want to pick a track house guy because they've been doing so good you know i I, I'm with you though. The, those road, those road racing ringers. It's hard to pick against them when they come out. But you know, it's funny because I remember when those guys would come out. Right, you would get the and Scott Speeds and the Boris Speed. Yeah, 
you know? And then you'd have times where, I remember one time we went to Sears Point. It's called Sonoma now, but back then it was Sears Point. And we went and watched it in person. And that was all the talk that that week. It was all about, you know, these road race ringers. You know what I mean? Like, keep an eye on these guys. These are the guys you got to Robbie Gordon and Boris said. And you'd have the top teams putting them in their cars. Yeah. And then, but the year that I went, Jeff Gordon then went out and proceeded to whip all their asses. It was just like, yeah, road race ringer, I don't care. I'm going to lay the smack down. And he just smoked him. Now, don't get me wrong. Those guys finished all very, very well. But, yeah, I remember Jeff Gordon just just punked him. Like, like you would have thought he'd been running road his whole life. That and there was a stretch back in that time where the road course ringers would do really good, and then yes, five years down the road, the NASCAR guys would be really good, and then it just kind of switch. And now it's a handful of NASCAR guys where they show up to road course, and it's like, all right, yes, they're easy. Yeah, it makes me think that the the car has a ton to do with it. What kind of car it is, you know what I mean? And so I would not be surprised with the car that they've got now with the next gen car to see more of these um if they have these road course ringers come out well, that's to why see I went them with do AJ. well <laughs> yeah you know i i would not be surprised by that but you know what actually you know who i'm gonna pick i'm gonna go with christopher bell i think christopher bell he needs a he needs a breakthrough race because he's not He's not doing no. very good. Yeah, he's had some but bad luck, of, but I'm going to go with him. There's a lot of big-name guys not not doing well. Yeah, look at Kyle Larson. Guys, look, you know, have been wrecked at a lot of couple races. Unfortunately, look at Brad Keselowski now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now that he's got a 100 points total need to, to build off That of. is a very good point. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can wrap it up with that because that is a really good point. So RFK Racing, which for those of you guys who don't know, that is Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing Team, on Thursday morning was penalized. 100 driver points and 100 owner points um plus the crew chief matt mccall was fined a hundred thousand dollars and suspended for the next four cup series races if the number six team of keselowski qualifies for the uh, the nascar cup series playoffs it will then be penalized 10 playoff points that is a wow huge penalty now the penalty came down from what we've been told so far and they obviously haven't told us the specifics but the violations announced that thursday morning were discovered during the teardown inspection at the nascar r&d center following the race weekend um basically it's some form of part that is from one of these um manual uh or manufacturers okay so a lot of the the next gen components now are provided by a third party you know if you look at the previous car a lot of stuff was done in house right they built the bodies they built the you know they built the majority of the components for the car it was all made in house that's not the case anymore uh, when you start talking about the body and all these different things, uh, it's all from a third party. In fact, if you go online and you actually look it up, you can see the um, the manufacturers that provide all this stuff. There's actually a, I can't remember what website it is, 
but they actually go through and provide. I mean, they they sit there and tell you every manufacturer, the vendors, and then and then it describes what part they supply. Yes, yes, you know, and it's like I mean, and and the thing is, is like, it's a I mean, it's a list of like twenty five names, thirty names, like it's a ton, right? So this is not they're not getting like one or two parts. They're getting a lot, and for whatever whatever it was, like I said, we don't know the specifics yet, but the RFK team. Um, pretty much did something they were not supposed to be doing. They buried themselves. Yes, they did. And, you know, one thing that was said, um, you know, the senior vice president of competition, Scott Miller, said when they announced this new penalty structure, because keep in mind, this is a new penalty system that they put into place. And it is a, basically, it is a three-tiered system. So you have what they call L1, L2, and L3. Okay, and this was a violation of the. Um, uh, I think it was L two. L two, yes, it's an L two violation, and this was put in place to deter this such thing. Like me and Keith were talking about at the start of the show, right? Like they they want to deter this stuff. They don't want this stuff to be happening, right? They don't want teams cheating. Or, or pushing the boundaries, right? We always talked about, you know, in, in racing, you're not rule breakers, you're a rule maker. Well, these guys, they, they didn't just make the rule. They they apparently they broke, broke it. it. They broke it, you know what I mean? <laughs> they broke it in a big way. In a big way. So, you know, they and, and they got and they got they got slammed for it. And the point of it is, is they're, they're going to be made an example of it in hopes that other teams don't try to do the same thing. Will it deter teams? I don't know. Probably not. But they are the ones who are going to be um, you know, executed for it. And they did. I mean, and, and NASCAR basically, you know, if you actually look at the penalty, um, the, the, the L2 is basically it's, you're looking at like zones. So for an L2, the points can be 75 to 120. They took away a hundred for the season. The playoff points can be 10 to 25. They took away 10. The suspension can be four to six races. They did four. The fines can be a hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand. They did a hundred. So they they leaned more towards the lower end, but it's still a lot. And man, if this happened to a smaller team, that that team probably wouldn't be racing. It'd be crippling. It would be oh, crippling. It, and and fortunately, I mean, I I unfortunately though, it happened to a bigger team. Mm-hmm. And. And the shitty part is there, there's not a lot of crew chiefs in the garage area with with a hundred grand just laying around. No, there's absolutely not. not. I mean, I could see where maybe the team would be like, "All right, we'll spot you the money for the penalty." Yada yada mm-hmm. yada. I'm not saying that they would, but they could. Yes. Um, but man, that Brad Keselowski is already somewhat in a hole. Yes. Now he's he's covered in dirt. Yes, he, well, he's this, almost buried himself. It'll be hard for him to pull out of. Yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to win races. He's gonna have to oh, win. Absolutely, races. and unfortunately, with with Brad right now, just I don't see him winning many races unless if it's at a super speedway type track. Yeah, it's and, it's and, been tough. And we've seen it with Jimmy Johnson towards the end of his NASCAR career. Mm-hmm. His, his performance just started to fall off, and yep. unfortunately, Brad he's he's starting to fall in that same category. So. It, it's it's gonna hurt that team big time. Yes, yes. This this penalty took Keselowski from 16th in the point standings to 35th, and he is now behind big. every full time driver. 
big. There's a full-time big. NASCAR driver. Brad Keselowski is behind him. That's and a really he, big penalty. Him and Denny Hamlin towards the bottom of the series points. Who would have thought they'd see that in a day? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're but talking I about mean, a former champion and, you know, people who have been dominant figures in the sport. Yeah, it's, a, I don't know. It's unfortunate for sure. And and as a sponsor, you don't want to see that happen. No, uh, you, you don't. You pay dollar to, to put your name on a car that you expect to run up front mm-hmm. and then to not be in the news as far as cheating goes. Yes, exactly. You, it puts a black eye on not only the driver, but the team, the sponsors, the crew chief. And now with Brad having his name on the team, he gets a double black eye. Yep. Yep. You're right. While, you're while we're talking right. about uh, penalties, I just happened to uh, open up social media this morning and looks like there might become some headed towards USAC too. Oh, really? As, they, uh, they met with teams on Tuesday with four individual teams to analyze tire testing results that were taking place in Ocala. And uh, not beat the benchmark. Oh, that's so funny because we were just talking about that. <laughs> they're, not, they're not saying what teams yet, but there was four tire samples and they did not perform wow. to the benchmark. So, curious to see who that is. You know, uh, that... I have suspicions, though. Yeah, and that's funny that that came out because what is that? That's what a week after the extreme outlaws handed down. Wasn't it the extreme outlaws that handed down their yeah. penalty to to two USAC yeah. time teams? So yeah, I don't want to say it, but yeah. I wonder if those two teams is two of the four that USAC's talking exactly, about. Exactly. Yeah, and now all of a sudden USAC's coming out with this. That's that's interesting. Wow. That's so from the post, from their from their press release that I was reading, they're they're gonna send them to another analysis to to get a second opinion on it, and then I think they will hand down what's necessary. I would say before the first USAC sprint car race at Lawrenceburg, you you'll we'll have some news on this. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm wondering who those tests who those tests are from. I I got my crazy suspicions, but I think. Two of them I could almost say, yeah, it could be them. Yeah, I could see, I could definitely see the uh, the the correlation from from the extreme outlaws results. Next, I yeah. mean, <laughs> but how how funny is it that we were just talking about this last week on the podcast, and now it's like these teams have been listening to us, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> here they are. <laughs> All right, sprint car guys, you better start do- better stop doping your tires because apparently the series are after you guys now. No, no more goat piss for the next exactly. month. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speak. Let, let, let's continue with this stuff for a minute. Um, did you? Are you on Twitter at all? Not really. So um, Bob, yeah. Bob Prokris, he's a NASCAR writer, I think, and uh, he put out an almost like a diagram of how they would install the the flaps for the cars for if it rains, the, the new deal that they're doing with the car. And I just so happened to see it. I guess NASCAR released it to everybody but the teams. <laughs> and and uh, I think it was Rodney Childers, the crew chief of the four team, and Stuart Haas was like, well, I guess I better save this because NASCAR never sent it to us. Oh. 
I just found it. I found it. Yeah, fun. that is that is pretty that is pretty interesting. Like, like we're gonna release how we're gonna put these flaps on the cars to to the press before we send it to the teams before we go to Coda. Yeah, it's, exactly. <laughs> some of the stuff just don't make sense to me. No, it rarely does. It rarely does. No, well, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's uh that's pretty crazy that that that, that stuff that stuff just came out, man. Uh, we'll have to definitely keep an eye on that. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if that's the the same two of those four are the same teams that we uh that we had with the extreme outlaws i got i got my crazy suspicions tommy yeah I think, it is. I think definitely the two i, I think two of them i, I think so too. they failed they failed a week prior and i'm sure yeah. they ran the same similar tires oh i'm sure they did i'm sure they did you know so and uh, it's been a long time since usac has had to deal with cheating with tires mm-hmm the yep. last time was a former champion, and I think he was suspended five races. Yeah. Yeah. I... Interesting. Mm-hmm. It is. So, yep, definitely some stuff to keep an eye on. But, yep, a lot of racing we got coming up. We do have the, uh, you know, NASCAR at Coda. We will keep an eye on that. Also, we've got, um, you know, we're we're getting close. A couple more weeks. We got we got Lawrenceburg in the. In the the USAC sprint cars, this plus weekend, we've got the. Is it this weekend? This weekend's the Dirt Nationals of Bristol. This weekend and next weekend. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, the payouts. Yes, yeah. Yep, we've got that, and then also, um, what is it? The uh, Extreme Outlaws. Is that this weekend or next weekend? Is it next weekend? They're at Farmer City. Yeah, next weekend they're at Farmer yes. City. So yeah, we do got some more dirt stuff coming up. So be looking forward to that. Yeah. Almost time for me. Almost time for this beloved dirt racing. I can't wait. Yeah, I know. I can't wait neither. I'm ready for it to to get under under full swing. I'm ready to ready to go. At least with USAC. Exactly. Everybody's been running a lot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I'm ready for ready for USAC to kick off and you know because the Extreme Outlaw Series they only run you know they they don't have a a very full schedule yeah, yeah they're running uh like once or twice a month you know and what I, I, mean? think, like, I think that's a lot of let's let's put our toes in the water and see what kind of interest we get and then next year we'll build off of it yes i think so too you know and it's it's good that they don't conflict with usac um i think that is a good thing right now it gives those guys you know two things to do which is which is awesome two series to because we've talked about you know, it and you know if you want to keep those guys in the non-wing stuff they definitely got to up that money but, you know, later on down the road, it never hurts to have a little competition. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. So I'm sure I'm sure we'll see uh, more in the future, which is oh, for not sure. going to be a bad thing. Yeah. No, so. it just keeps your options open. Exactly. So. But all right, you guys, that's going to do it all for this week. Now, really quick, before we wrap this up, do us a favor. Give us that like, that share, that subscribe, all that other good stuff. But please make sure to actually download and follow the show. Um, that is what helps us the most. Yes, you know, hitting the like button or sharing it and all that stuff like that. Like, that's great. But 
downloading and subscribing is is really what helps so you guys do that for us that'll really help, help us help out you. yep exactly help us help you and if you want to give us a rating and review five stars please if you if you're, if you're going to give us a one star and say we suck we're, we're cool off that we don't we don't need that you know thank you thank you very much for the feedback but you can just shoot us an email or something you don't need to leave that on the review <laughs> Because we'll we'll take the five stars once, even a four star. I'll take a four star. But no, if you guys, in all seriousness, if you want to give us a rating and review, you can do it on either Spotify or Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever the hell it's called now. I don't know what it's called now. Apple whatever. Um, but those are the two main ones. I mean, we are on any podcast thing that you can find, whether it's Stitcher or, or uh, um, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart. We're on all those. But the, the two main ones that we've got are basically Spotify and and apple all right so and it helps us get in the algorithm where where more people see us exactly so if you want to do all that for us that would be greatly appreciated and we will be back here next week to do it all over again so as always you guys thank you very much keith well man have a good one and uh we'll be talking next week awesome can't wait awesome all right everybody have a good one and take care